Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. Okay, so anyway, there we go. Good morning. It's good to be back. I was in Florida last week. Our family was in Florida. It was good, but I missed it here. So Josh Osborne, right? How many of you were blessed by Josh Osborne? All right. See, I told you, Josh, you should do it every week. Um, so as you know, we're going to do some baptisms today. Um, Greg said this, but I do want to tell you up front, even if you didn't plan on getting baptized today, you can get baptized today. We have some extra dark colored clothes and towels and hair dryers and personal stylists to get your hair put back exactly the way you put it this morning. Um, kidding about the last part, but we do have a few extra clothes and towels if you decide that you would like to get baptized today. I'm going to talk for about <clears throat> 11 minutes, and then we're going to get to the baptizing. So if you would like to do that, find Greg, and we can help you get set up for that. Okay? All right. So, you know, Jesus often said things people were completely not expecting. And so, which, which shattered their mold they had for him. That's, that's partially what Jesus meant when he said, you've got to come to me like a little child. Sometimes you've got to kind of put down your categories of God and just learn from God. So I'm not saying kind of check your brains at the door or accept, accept outrageous stuff. I'm just saying that sometimes Jesus is going to shatter your categories. And you've got to determine whether or not you're going to reject him and hold on to your categories or hold on to him and let him bust up some of your categories. It's kind of like you, when you walk out into the light, right? Your eyes hurt, but after a while, your eyes adjust. You can do that with Jesus. Hide your eyes and reject the light, or you can stay in his presence and change. Today, I want to look at something Jesus did in Matthew 3 that surprised everybody, okay? Matthew 3.13 is where we're going to start. <clears throat> Matthew 3.13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness, that's a key phrase. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So here's the unexpected thing. Here's a thing that confused John the Baptist. Why is Jesus being baptized? Right? When you get baptized, you're saying that you have repented of your old life and you want to begin a new one. What did Jesus have to repent of? Jesus is perfect. Why is he being baptized? If we were to back up, we would see that something has been happening in the book of Matthew that's very important. Uh, the first chapters of Matthew, it appears that Jesus has been retracing the steps of Israel. So Matthew 1 and 2, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus had, to, had fled to Israel to escape genocide. After two years, it's safe to come back. So God appears to Joseph in a dream, tells him to come back. Uh, what, is what is significant about him is come, them coming back is they're coming out of Egypt, just like Israel had to come up out of Egypt. In Matthew 4, he's going to go into the wilderness for 40 days to wander, just like the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 
While there, Jesus will face basically the same three tests that Israel went through, but unlike Israel, he will pass them. In Matthew 5, Jesus will go up on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, to give the law, just like Israel received God's law from the mountain. But unlike Israel, he will keep them perfectly. The whole point is Jesus is taking their place. He's walking the steps they had walked, but living the way they were supposed to live. So now in Matthew 3, as Israel went into the water of the Red Sea and came out, Jesus is going into the water. and He's being baptized in their place. Repenting, not for his own sins, but for theirs, for ours. He's going to save us by substituting for us. He will live the life we were supposed to have lived and then die in our place. And in doing so, verse 14, he will fulfill all righteousness. Not for himself, because he was already righteous, but for us, because we were unrighteous. So when Jesus comes up out of the water, he hears these words, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now because we have traded places, now we can hear God say, You are my beloved Son, or my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. The gospel is all about substitution. It's what separates Jesus' gospel from every other religion. So every religion teaches you what you must do to please God. Go here, say that, don't do that, pray this, chant that, rub that, whatever it is. The gospel, on the other hand, is about what Jesus has done for you. In every other religion, the prophet is the teacher that teaches you what you must do to earn God's favor. In Christianity, Jesus is a savior who does for you what you cannot do for yourself and gives it to you as a gift. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what's going on on the cross. Because my sin was embarrassing and shameful, he was mocked in my place. Because my sin was wicked, he was beaten. Jesus became your sin. And because he did that, you could become righteous. His perfect record could be given to you. His position, his future, his power through substitution. Substitution is hard for a lot of people to get because the whole principle of substitution attacks our pride, right? When somebody pays for us at lunch, we usually say, okay, but I'll get next time, right? Or I'll pay you back. We don't like the feeling that others have to take care of us. We like to show we can take care of ourselves. We don't like the feeling of being helpless. But the only way to receive the gospel is admitting helplessness. You do not have a way to save yourself. He did all the work to save you, all of it. You owe a debt you can never, ever pay. So Christ in his love paid a debt he did not owe. And if you grew up in church, you heard that a thousand times. But don't ever lose the wonder and the power of that. That is the good news of the gospel. So now watch this, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I want you to notice how Satan attacks him. He's going to do it twice, once here in verse 3 and then again in verse 6. He says, if you are the Son of God. What is significant about that? The Father has just said to Jesus, you are my beloved Son. And Satan is saying, well, yeah. I know God said that, but is it really true? 
Verse 3, you should be, if it's really true, 3, you should tell these stones to become bread. Or verse 6, you should throw yourself down off the temple. See if God will catch you. See what Satan is doing? He's trying to get Jesus to doubt the identity his father has declared over him. Now verse 8, watch what Satan does for the third temptation. This is a little subtle, but stay with me. This is the key to understanding the whole thing. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. He's offering Jesus rule of the world. Isn't that what Jesus was destined for? Yes, but Satan is offering it to him with a shortcut, without having to go through the cross. He's trying to do away with the centrality of the cross in Jesus' life. There's two things Satan's doing here. He's trying to get Jesus to doubt his identity and to downplay the centrality of the cross. Satan's central mode of attack is still those same two things. To make us doubt the identity given to us by the Father and to remove the centrality of the cross from our lives. Satan's not creative. He still uses the same stupid tactics. And we keep falling for him. Satan's main front in our lives is attacking our identity in the gospel. Satan tries to get us to look for identity ourselves apart from what God declares over us through Christ's work on the cross. He wants us to evaluate how successful we are, how morally good we are, how we compare to everybody else, and then to determine our self-worth based on that. So he whispers in our ear, how many people like you and approve of you? That's how much you're worth. How successful are you? Your success determines how valuable you are. How, are. how are you doing morally compared to everybody else? That determines whether or not God approves of you. Has anybody tried that route? Spoiler alert, doesn't work. Now what does Jesus do when he gets attacked? He goes back to his, the, the statement declared over him at his baptism. In verse 4, he talks about living off the words that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, I don't need these stones to become bread to prove I am the Son of God. I don't need God to catch me falling off of a tower to prove he's well pleased with me. God has already declared it, and I believe him. So what are you supposed to do when you face trials and temptations? You go back to who you are in Christ. When we are saved, our identity ceases to kind of be socioeconomic status. It ceases to be conservative liberal. It ceases to be white, black, Hispanic. And it begins to be, I am his. I am a child of God. Believing in the gospel on a day-to-day basis is how you live a victorious Christian life. That's why baptism is so important. Jesus was baptized for you, so you are going to be baptized, showing you identify with him. Is baptism necessary to save you? No. It's a mark of obedience. We come forward and testify. I've given my life to Christ, and now I want to publicly profess that he's my Lord. Like There's, no, there's nothing magical about it. I've said this before, but the big secret is, don't tell anybody, we fill that thing with city water. <laughs> we don't get our water from the Jordan River. We're getting it from the same place you're getting. This thing, this is a symbol. It is evidence you have surrendered to Christ's lordship. 
You get that water and you, just, and you testify, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Then you plug your nose, you plug your own nose, because if the other person did it, they would either flood your sinuses with water or give you a nosebleed. You hold your own nose, they dunk you underwater, representing what? The death of Christ. Buried with Christ in his death. Then we don't leave you there, right? We pull you up. For what reason? To be raised to walk in the newness of life. Then the church goes nuts. We celebrate. We applaud. Why? Because baptism's not private. It's public. Baptism's not individual. It's communal. This is a good symbol God has given the church so that we might celebrate together our union with him. Salvation happens when you accept what God has done for you in Christ. The symbol serves as a marker in your life. On the other side of that baptism is my old life. My shame, my guilt, my fear, my worry, which is dead and gone and buried. All right, let's pray and do some baptizing. Father, thank you for our time together. I thank you for the picture we get to see in, in the waters of dying with you and being raised with you, being in union with you. I thank you for the fact that grace has paid the bill, that you have substituted yourself for us. I thank you and praise you that we don't have to live in fear, but that we can live in freedom as a child of God, knowing that you are good and you do good. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's do some baptizing. some extra towels. All right. Let's have all of those that are being baptized come on down or up. Let's applaud as they come. This is awesome. This is a celebration. Up. Come on over. Gather around here. You can sit on those chairs. Um, do you guys have your towels with you? I, I know we have extra towels here. Hey, Robert. That's great. All right. All right, we're going to have the McGinnis. So, Janine, why don't you kids come on over here and watch your mom be baptized first, okay? Are you be good? Now, tell them how warm it is when you get it. It's, I, I, I told them that it's very warm. I told them they can't stay too long. Ah, feel good? Very nice. Very good. So, Janine, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. And now you want to more fully or deeply walk with him. Absolutely. Do you have anything you want to say? Thankful for this day. Thankful for this day. All right. Now, I want you. There you go. Now, Jenny, because of your public confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your desire to leave all behind, and more fully walk with him. 
Now, because of the authority of Jesus Christ, who's the one who's given us this command, I now have the privilege and honor of baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Gracie, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? And you, too, want to kind of leave all behind and follow him even more fully, right? Do you want to say anything? No. No. <laughs> all right. Well, because of that public confession, go ahead and hold this notice down, and uh, confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your desire to leave all behind and follow him more fully. And, be, and th with the authority of Jesus Christ who gives us this command, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay, now do you want to say anything? No. no. But you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And now you want to be baptized. That's awesome. That's a great act of obedience, like Chris, Chris shared. All right. Because of that public confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your desire to, to, to leave, I call it leaving all behind, having it all washed away, and be identified with this burial and now resurrection. Because of the authority of Jesus Christ who gave, gave us this commandment, I now have the privilege and honor of baptizing you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. anything? Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It is. It is. Now you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
and you want to identify with his death. And you, you're going to die, but you're going to be raised again. And finding who you are. That's awesome. That's awesome. It is an act of obedience. It's also spiritual. So in all of these, something spiritually has happened. Yeah, amen. And so because of your public confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your desire to more fully walk with him and, and to live in a new day, in a new way, because of Jesus Christ who gave us this commandment, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to commend you for pursuing, like asking several times. And, you're, and uh, Kim finally going, I think she's serious. So I got to talk to you on the phone, and what you said was absolutely true. T- tell them what you said on the phone. Why do you want to be baptized? Because I want to be closer to Jesus. Amen. 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 And so you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now you want to walk closer with him. And because of that public confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and uh, your desire to, to walk that walk more fully, uh, and I now have the privilege, a great privilege, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Olivia. Now this is a surprise. I didn't know you were going to be baptized. Did you know you are going to be baptized today? You wanted to? Why, why do you want to be baptized? Because I want to be closer to God. Because you want to be closer to God. That's awesome. You know what he says? He goes, I'm going to draw you closer to me. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's awesome. And now because of that confession to all these people, that declaration, and your love for him, he is so excited that you want to walk more fully with him. And it's an honor and a privilege now to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hold your nose.
So, Gabby, this is an exciting moment. So, you have received Jesus as your Savior, yes? And you want to follow him all the days of your life, correct? Yep. Amen. God's got good things in store for you, and so we are going to baptize you and expect to receive his power and his goodness in greater measure here. So, Gabby, upon your profession of faith and your desire to follow Jesus with all your heart, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. So, Robert, I get to baptize you. This is awesome. So, you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Yes. yes. Then, in obedience to our personal Lord and Savior, and upon your profession of faith, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sarah. Oh, come, come on. Why don't you be close to your hubby? I'll try to splash. Yeah. Because yeah. you're next. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Chris, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yes? Yes. All right. Then, in obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and upon the profession of your faith, 